Hey, good morning. So, we're glad that you're here. It is. All right, good on time. And um, so this is what we're going to do. Today's week four of Battle Ready. If you've been around with us the past three weeks, um, you've got a pretty good idea of what's going on, where we've been, and where we're going. Um, but I want to encourage you, if you've not, you need to catch up or maybe... Um, you're like us, and one of the mornings, you had a baby the whole time, and so you didn't actually hear anything Paul said, and you had to catch up later, full disclosure. So uh, it's all on the website, um, thegatheringnow.com. You can uh, watch the recordings of sermons. You can pull up notes. Um, get the growth guide to prepare for community groups this week. Everything's there, okay? Um, including the notes for today, if you wanted to follow along with me, uh, you're welcome to do that. There's... Um, a lot to a lot we're going to cover, a lot of scriptures. Some of them are going to pop up on the screen, some of them are not. So um, I want to encourage you to, to go get those notes later so that you can study through um, this week as you go. All right? Ready to roll? Everybody got, got your Bibles with you? Okay. So let's go ahead and start this. Not up for debate is that the greatest Star Trek captain... Of all time, the greatest to ever helm the Enterprise is. All right, who ne- who's never actually seen Star Trek? Okay, so I heard a couple names. I forgive Mel for saying James T. Kirk because clearly, clearly, it is Captain Picard. With his, uh, he was just silky smooth. He, he was perfect for the role. He recreated it. He was, he was the best. He's the GOAT. Greatest of all time. Uh, nothing he couldn't handle, right? So he had two catchphrases. Do you remember his catchphrases? Engaged, Engaged and make it so. Which this is, one, this is my favorite shirt. It's uh, cross-stitch, so make it so. Okay, anyway, you got the one that's necessary, engage, okay? So he would look at number one, and he would say, number one, engage, right? Um, that was a terrible impersonation, but you get where I'm going. Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to channel my inner Captain Kirk, or, you messed me up, you ruined me. My inner Picard, okay? My inner Picard, if I was going to channel my inner Captain Kirk, you don't want to see that impersonation. I've actually, I've actually done it, but... Um, I'm going to call you to engage today, okay? I'm going to call you to engage in this battle. We have been acknowledging the fight. We've been acknowledging um, the battle. We want, to, we want to switch to engaging in it starting now, okay? Um, week one, Paul showed us that there's a spiritual battle taking place, all right? We acknowledge that there is a battle taking place around us, and he called us to fight, to fight not f- uh, for victory, but to fight from victory. You've probably heard that 30 times so far this series, and you'll probably hear it 60 more, okay? So we fight not for victory, we fight from victory. He already has victory. Uh, week two, we focus on seeing the leader of our battle, our king, Jesus. Um, and we learn that seeing him changes the way that we see the battle. And we look to Jesus. Um, and then week three, last week, we studied our enemy, um, or as Paul said, that's the one week we'll focus on the loser. So we study our enemy, Satan, and how uh, simple 
yet powerful his mission statement is. Steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, we talked about how he has no authority, but he, ha- but he does have power to cause damage, okay? Uh, so this week what we're going to do is, as we begin to engage in this fight, I'm going to bridge the gap to the next four weeks after this to where we'll be, we'll be looking at very practical and tangible weapons about how we wage spiritual war. Today, I want us to ask and answer three questions, three questions that are going to be practical elements of engaging, okay? Does that make sense? All right, here we go. Number one, first question is, who do we fight? Who do we fight? If you've got notes or a note sheet, you should have one on your chair. I really encourage you to, take, uh, to, to jot down some scriptures and, and thoughts as you go along so that you can uh, continue to look into this and dig into this as we go through the week. But number one, who do we fight? Short and sweet. Not flesh and blood. Not flesh and blood. Who do we fight? Not flesh and blood. You have full permission to tune me out for the next 30 minutes, okay? However long this goes. If that, is a, that might be enough, enough truth for you today to look at the passage we're getting ready to read and walk away saying, my battle is not with flesh and blood. Okay, let me, let me explain this. Um, the battle isn't against people. It's a spiritual battle against a spiritual enemy. I'm going to read you Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. All right, here we go. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle, that word literally means wrestling. So if you, if you're wrestled, not like, you know, not like that wrestle, but you know, like the real wrestling, you grapple and you're in, and you're like all up in each other's face, and you're, you're, you've got this struggle going on, that's what that word means. We wrestle But it says, not with flesh and blood. What's that mean? Not people. Not people. Our battle is not with people. It is with spiritual forces. That whole list in uh, verse 12, those are spiritual forces. Those are spiritual things. Those are not people. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle. And our enemy is not people. Okay, no matter how no matter how hard it is not to see them as an enemy, all right, you've you've got countless people in your life. Some of them, some of them you just see and they become. We have a hard time not turning them into an enemy. Some of them you you spend um, forty hours a week with at your job. Some of them you live with and you're struggling to make not to make them flesh and blood your enemy. Um. It might be a family member that just, you just feel like does not understand you and you can't communicate. And you look at them and you see, you see a, uh, an, an opponent, a combatant. It might be somebody that, it could be a quick thing, somebody that cuts you off in traffic 
And all of a sudden, you, you look at that person and they are an enemy to you at that time. Or the person that all of a sudden slows down after you cut somebody off and you can't take advantage of the move that you just made. You see them as an enemy. You work, we work with people. We work with, you've got people and you probably all are thinking somebody at your job right now. That every time you see them, it just crawls all over you. And you feel like you are fighting them to have any joy in you. And you're convinced that she's actually a cave troll from Lord of the Rings, right? And, and you know that she, he's just this terrible, awful, nasty little man. And, and I just, we've got to move beyond seeing the parts of them that make us want to turn them into an enemy. Paul's very clear. Our struggle, and we do have a struggle, we talked about it for three weeks, is not, I repeat, is not against flesh and blood. It's not those people. No matter how much they put us through, they're not the enemy. I want you to, I want you to, to grab this statement. We've got to see people, see people more deeply than the circumstances by which we view them, Okay? We need to see those people so much more deeply than the parts, the circumstances, the outward pieces that make us despise them, that make, them, make us not want to be around them or look them in the eye. We've got to see past that. We need to see deeply into them and the fact that they are, they are an eternal being just like us that need the grace of God, need forgiveness. Um, let's see. So... Jesus, Jesus gave us the perfect example of this. What did he say when he, as he hung on the cross and was being murdered, and his murderers stood around in Luke 24 and actually mocked him as he was there, what did he say? Do you remember? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's a spiritual statement. I know they're killing me, and they think they know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. This is a spiritual war. Father, forgive them. That's the same reason um, you recognize the name Nadine Collier. You know, anybody recognize that name? You will. She was one of the survivors of the Charleston Nine uh, when about a year and a half ago uh, a man killed uh, nine individuals, nine black members of a church having a Bible study in a church and came in and killed them. And she was a survivor. And one of the victims was her mother. And she said, she said this, and it's, the same, and it's because she got the spiritual war of it. She says, I forgive you. This is what she told him. She said, you took something very precious away from me and I'll never get to talk to her again, Ever. I'll never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on you. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. If God forgives you, I forgive you. I cannot imagine. I'm pretty positive I would fail at being able to show that kind of grace given that kind of circumstance. But nonetheless, that's what God has called us to do. To see even our worst enemies more deeply and realize battle's not with them. The battle's not with them. Um, if you can't stop viewing people as an enemy, man, Romans 5, 6 through 11 is a great passage to write down and to pray. Because that's where, that's where it tells us that while we were still enemies of God, Christ did what for us? 
He died for us. So while we were still his enemies, he didn't wait for anything to be reconciled. He came in here and he, and he did the work himself. While we were his enemies, he died for us. Another, another great thing to help you see people is to pray through the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And if you, if you could get, listen, if you could Bluetooth into my mind and hear my thoughts, which is terrifying, right? And if you've got that superpower, don't, don't do that because um, that's creepy. What, what, there's a good chance at any moment of the day, full disclosure, this is what you would hear in my brain. Not flesh and blood, 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 not flesh and blood. Or you would hear, I won't be able to remember the song now, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I was kind of hoping y'all would sing along with me. Um, You just completely left me hanging, but that's okay. Look, point number one, man, I was straight up. Just about every day, I'm reminding myself, you're not flesh and blood I battle with, or you are flesh and blood, I don't battle you, and I need fruits of the Spirit to help me, just, just help me. I need, I need that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's a good song. Sing it with your kids or sing it by yourself in the car. Those help me see people, see past the parts that I just, that go like this with me and see to them, see deeply. So number one, who do we fight? not flesh and blood. Number two, why do we fight? Why do we fight? Because our enemy is doing this. Um, You can turn with me. I'm going to read it out. 2 Corinthians 4. And we're going to kind of hang around in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 the rest of the morning. Um, Why do we fight? Because, let me read those. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. It says, um, the God of this age, and who's that? That's little, little G God. The God of this age, or the God of this world, it's the devil. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That word literally, the gospel literally means the well message, which is a cool way of saying it. But the good news, the well message of Jesus, the one that changes everything, the gospel, they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul's saying to them, we preach as as your servants, the servants of men. For God, who said, let light, we sang all about, let there be light in darkness this morning, let light shine out of darkness. God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In short, we have an enemy that's blinding people around us, the people that are not your enemies, right, by the way. He's blinding them to, that they cannot see the goodness of Jesus. They cannot hear that good news. But we are filled with it, and it's shining like light out of us. So we illuminate They're blind eyes. So why do we fight? We fight so that they can hear the good news that changed us. If you're in Christ, you've been changed by good news, by the well message of Jesus. You've been changed. 
You've been changed in the immediate and then forevermore. And he's blocking, our enemy is blocking people from being changed in the same way. Listen, we don't fight against people, we fight for people. We don't fight against them, we fight for them. That's why, we're, that's why we have this battle, that's why this spiritual battle is raging. In Christ, we are safe and secure forever. But the people around us, we are fighting for them um, Remember Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus calls us the light of the world. Isn't that neat how, how our enemy is blinding so that people can't see the light, but Jesus calls us the light of the world? That's in direct opposition to the enemy. That's why we fight. Um, we're eternal beings, and we are battling for people's souls. Let me read, uh, let me read another chunk. Okay, this is um, 2 Corinthians 5. So just flip over to the next chapter, verses 11 through 21. I know that sounds like a lot, okay? So just, just stick with me. Let's read through this, okay? Um, verse 11. Since then, we know what the fear of the Lord is. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. Just stop there for a second. Just listen. That's our, that's our role, man. We are, we are trying to persuade others the goodness of God that we know that changed us. We want them to see the same thing. Um, you can jump down. Jump, go ahead and jump down with me to, to verse um, 17. Yeah, verse 16. Let's go over to verse 16, okay? Verse 16, so, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view... That's back to number one, not flesh and blood. We see, the, we see the eternal them. We see the soul of them. We don't see them from a worldly point of view, no matter how awful they are to us. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do that any longer either. We see Jesus for who he really is. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Everybody say new you are a new creation, the old is gone, the new is here, and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And breathe. That was a big chunk. You need to read it again later. But listen, the words that pop out right there, number one, reconciliation. Okay, If you need to be reconciled, what are you trying to do? You're, you're trying to overcome, there, there is a, a gap between you. There is, there is some kind of divide, right? The, the Greek language for that makes, paints this picture of a very hostile divide. And so what Jesus did is he came in and he laid his life down and he paid the penalty for that divide and he reconciled us to God. We, I talk to this uh, with my daughter all the time. What does sin do? Sin 
separates, and I usually need her hand to come in and be the visual aid and separate that. So I don't have but two hands. So sin separates, something comes in between, that was sin, and Jesus reconciles us. He brings us back together knowing Christ makes that possible. It bridges that hostile divide. That's what, that's what um, this passage says God did for us. He reconciled us back to him. So the other word that sticks out right there is ambassador. Okay, and what's an ambassador? Tell me what an ambassador is while I... Say it louder. Represents? All right, represents who? Just like represent? A representative, yep. All right, so an ambassador is somebody who is sent out from a leader to a foreign land to represent them, to speak on that leader's behalf. That's what God calls us to be. He says, you're a new creation. I made you new. The old you's gone. Here's what you are now. You're my ambassador. You're my ambassador, and it's just like I was there. That's what, that's what the Lord says. He's like, it's just like I was here telling people around you that you need to be reconciled to me through Jesus. You're my ambassador. He sent Jesus to pay for our sins out of love. He corrected us. And now that he has, he's making his plea through us. We're his ambassadors. We have to engage the fight like ambassadors in a foreign land on a mission. Take that in. Absorb that for a sec. You are sent by the God of the universe. You've got, you're, you are well equipped. You have the spirit inside of you. You have the message of the well message, the good news of Jesus that's changed you. He's not, he didn't say, I am sending you. He says, I have sent you. So if you're in Christ, you are well prepared to go and fight this fight for people. You are an ambassador. All right. Let's move on. Number one was, who do we fight? Not flesh and blood. Number two is, why do we fight? Because our enemy is blinding people. And we need them to hear the same good news that changed us. So we don't fight against people. We fight for people. Number three, all right? This is a little bit longer, so stick with me, okay? Number three is, how do we fight? How do we fight? Here's the short of it. Like we have nothing to lose. How do we fight? Like we have nothing to lose. Yeah, so I gave you a few passages right there. Jot those down because I'm going to just highlight them. I want you to hear the truths in all one, two, three, four of those. Okay, but I would like for you to have that available so you can get those to the full, okay, in context later. So here we go. Matthew 6, that passage Uh, Jesus tells us to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. He says things on earth, they kind of rot and they just, they'll pass away. Store up your treasures in heaven. James 5.3 speaks about the temporary nature of earthly things. They'll rust and they'll rot away. They will not last. John 14.1-3, Jesus speaks about our heavenly home. He says, my father's making a home for you. When he comes, to, he comes back for you, he will take you to that home. You are not meant for here. You know, he, you've got a home elsewhere. 
ambassador. Uh, and then first, first Peter 2, 11 through 12, you know, he calls us aliens and strangers. Gee, thanks, right? Like, you're a strange guy, Peter. I've read about you, um, right? He calls us aliens and strangers. And here's what he means. We belong to a different, if in Christ, if you are made new in Jesus, you now belong to a different kingdom. You are aliens of this place in this time, okay? You are a temporary resident of this earth. You are a temporary citizen of America. You are permanent residents of a different kingdom. And before you are an earth dweller, there's probably a name for that, right? I was going to say Martian, but I was like, we don't live on Mars. That's, that's not universal. So before you are a, a resident of this physical world, before you are an American, before you are um, an anything, you have citizenship in heaven. So right now you're an, you're an alien, you're in a strange land. Sounds a lot like a what from the last point. Sounds a lot like an ambassador, right? Uh, you're sent to a, to a different land, right? That's not your land. That's not your home. You're sent there for a purpose. That's what all those verses are saying. All the stuff you got now, the treasures right now, don't worry so much about them. You can't take them with you. You got a different home in another land. Right now you're an alien. You're a stranger. You're not a permanent residence. You got a different kingdom that you belong to. All that to say this, all right? We can risk it all because all we can risk is temporary. Can I say it again? We can risk it all because all we can risk is temporary. All we can risk in this life as an alien, as, a, as an ambassador here, when we're looking to an eternal kingdom, what do we have to lose? All we can risk is temporary anyway. Any treasures on earth, no matter how beautiful they are, they're all temporary. Paul says, um, Apostle Paul says, you probably say this too. Paul said that uh, in Philippians 3, 7 through, verse 7 through 8, he says, I count all things. Everybody say all. all. I count all things as a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. He says, I mean, things on this earth, fine, they're all good, but it's great, but they're all lost. He even goes on to say they're rubbish. They're just garbage compared to. So if I lose them, eh, big deal. It's not a big, it's not a big deal because I don't belong here forever. We've got, to, um, we've got to see this. The battle that we're in, we've been talking about, we're going to do an eight-week study on this battle. We've got to see it with an eternal perspective, not a temporary one, not a temporal one. We need to see it with, from an eternal eyes, and that helps the other two. When you, when you see things as etern, from an eternal perspective, man, you don't see that lady that drives you nuts. You see somebody that just needs Jesus. It changes your relationships. It changes how you view people because you don't see the temporary one. With the temporary body that might get 80 or 90 years if you're lucky, right? You don't see that body. You see the soul within that is eternal. That's eternal. 
Um, everybody do this. Let's wake up a, a sec. So I'm not good at snapping. I can snap on my left hand, but my right hand kind of sounds like, um, like pounding a, like a hammer. Or something. It just doesn't work. I don't know. I don't understand it. I guess my fingers are twisted. So everybody snap on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, I know not to invite to band practice because there's some rhythm problems in the back, but it's okay. So that instance, can I paint you this picture? That instance, do it again. One, two, three. Listen, you know how fast that was? All right, now here's what we're going to do. Everybody on the count of three, snap your fingers for the rest of eternity. Never stop. Just count to infinity and, and keep snapping, right? And never stop snapping for the rest of your life. All right. That's silly, right? But look, look, at, look at what that is. Your life, not just your life, every life that's ever been, the history, every second that's ever been in this universe is but like a, is a snap, right? It's a snap. It's, it's just a, a quick little breath in comparison to eternity. Do you get that? No, I don't really get it. Do you, do you begin to grasp the concept, Mel? Anything? My baby gets it. Anything, anything in that snap? It's, it's just so temporary. Everything on the other side of that is so eternal. That's what we're dealing with here. That's the battle that we're in right here, okay? Kingdom mindset, we need to have a, king, a kingdom mindset, and that means to be focused more on things that are of eternal value rather than, than a temporary value. Um, the Bible never promises us things will go well for us on earth. It just doesn't. Like, people make a lot of money off of making people believe that it promises that, and if you just pray harder or give more money or do things like that, you will, um, things will go better for you on earth. Man, truth of the matter is, if you read this thing, you don't see, A, you don't see that. B, it really doesn't look like God cares all that much about how easy this, this temporary life goes for us. He, is, he has a kingdom mindset. He is looking to ahead. We hear over and over, man, this is temporary. Even though it's hard, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. You see the opposite of this in Scripture this, this promise of everything going well for you, you see the opposite. There's some, um, I don't know if I got these written up there. John 16 did I write this chunk? All right, so you see those, jot those down. John 16 Jesus says, you will have trouble in this world. Sorry, you will have trouble. Don't worry, I've overcome the world. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 33, that's when Paul talks about everything it costs him to follow Jesus. I've been shipwrecked, I've been snake bit, I've been stoned like 18 times like with rocks. Um, I've been beaten, I've been left for dead, I've been, you know, I had to sneak out of half of these towns like by jumping out a window because they were coming to kill me like right then. It cost him a ton. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, Paul says, he even goes as far to say, in our weakness, in our weakness, God proves strong. And then he said, man, I delight in the weakness. Let me be weak so that God will be strong in me. I need you to acknowledge this morning that it will cost you something to follow Jesus. It will cost you nothing to know Jesus. Salvation is a free gift 
of grace, through faith. He paid it all. You can't earn it. You can't do a thing to receive the salvation of God. But once you are in that salvation and you are new, it's just going to cost. It might cost you everything to follow Jesus and to follow him well. And if you don't believe me, just turn to the Bible. Look through it. Look at what they went through. Go, go read about the apostles, the fates that they met. Go read about the church and the persecution that it has met and is still meeting right now. I know we're Americans and it's easy to, to, to do Christianity here. Um, but listen, it's not easy. And he never promised it would be easy. Um, we still engage the battle anyway because anything it costs you is temporary anyway. All right, so here this following Jesus will cost us something temporal for the sake of something eternal. So you're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting for that flesh and blood, the eternal piece of them, because they're worth it. Anything I got to get up, give up along the way, fine. It's probably going to fall apart in 60 years anyway. They started using plastic screws anyway instead of metal ones. It's not going to last. So, listen. Let's um. We're gonna uh, let me wrap this up by giving you some. Let's kind of define what it might cost us in our context. We're going to read four more verses after that, and then we're out of here. Okay. Um, what might it cost us? Remembering that, remember, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. That means he's already won the war. Doesn't mean we, won't, we win all the little battles. Doesn't mean that they'll be painless. So what's the worst thing that could happen? The, the worst possible thing that can happen to anybody following Jesus? It's death, right? May have Philippians 1, um, starting in verse 20, Paul says, I mean, to, live is, to live is Christ." To die is gain, is even better. So, what else you got? I mean, you kill me? Great. I'll be with Jesus. What else you got? He, he says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord anyway. So, what else you got? Um, so, what's it going to cost us? It can't cost us anything more than that. And in, in a sense, the way Paul speaks about Man, if you go ahead and kill me, you're probably doing me a favor anyway. Now, listen, we're in America, as I said. We're Christians in America. Nobody's beating us, imprisoning us for our faith. Okay? That is happening around the world. You need to know that. That is very much still a thing around the world. In our context, where we're at right now, it's not happening. So what might, in our context, what might it cost us to follow Jesus? Probably, uh, mostly, our time and our resources our treasures, our rank, our reputation, those things that we want, the mansion, the, the super awesome house and the luxuries that go with it, the creature comforts, the toys, because we never grow out of wanting toys. Uh, they just look different and they're less colorful. But you might pass, you might have to pass on those things. You might pass on them because your money goes towards doing ministry or helping somebody in need. Maybe you realize follow, through following Jesus that a better investment is not things made out of wood and bricks and metal. Maybe a better investment is in 
the spiritual, people's souls, the eternal. Um, let's, think, let's get real practical. You, um, you might not climb the ladder, the success ladder, because you have to step on people's necks to do so. And you've got to lie and you've got to cheat and you've got to be dishonest to get there. Maybe you're not willing to do that because you follow Jesus and you never climb that ladder. You might leave your job, your, your uh, cushy job, because God calls you to go start something new, a new ministry. You might, um, you might not get all that free time that you want, you think that you deserve and that your body needs because somebody needs to talk and, 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 or needs to be ministered to or loved to or prayed for. You might not get all that time. You might not get your, your dumb man cave. I mean, just... You don't, don't get that anyway. That's ridiculous. Go be with your family. You, get, you might get walked all over because you're willing to give grace and be patient and forgive people. So you might get walked over in the process. Your reputation might take a hit because you stand for what God stands for. And you're not ashamed of it. You, um, you might pass on worldly pleasures because they don't honor God. Um, you might be rejected by people who think you're crazy for really actually believing all this Jesus stuff. You might lose your child you've raised, who you've raised to love Jesus and love people and serve them fiercely because she might become a missionary and leave home. You might sacrifice what's known and safe for where he's leading you, which is, it might be unknown. But he's good. Whatever it costs you, he's good. Whatever you face, you face it with a good God. Whatever you face is for the sake of something eternal. Tomorrow, I have to act this one out, tomorrow. Right, say tomorrow. Cannot begin to compare with Tomorrow. So anticlimactic. Uh, tomorrow, the next literal 24 hours, week, month, however much you got left, whatever it is, I don't know. It does not begin to compare with tomorrow, the next, the next life, eternity. Nothing that we want or desire or need here can begin to compare to the, to the impact that it has in eternity. So in the short run, we got nothing to fear because we have nothing to lose. We can risk it all because all we can risk is temporary. So listen, that all makes sense? Just say yes. All right, so listen, there's a game on today, I heard. Uh, I have zero interest in it. It's a game, right? Exactly. Because who wants to watch the Patriots win another Super Bowl? Not this guy. And, and who wants to watch Atlanta become... Uh, or the Panthers become the last NFC South team without a Super Bowl, not this guy. Who likes Atlanta anyway? That's ridiculous. And the only way this could be worse is if it was the Patriots versus Dallas, but come on, that was never actually going to happen, right? You have to win a playoff game to make that work. So, um, oh, man, but wouldn't that be terrible? Listen, um, Yesterday, so I woke up, and it turns out it looked like my daughter, I think she was ready to go to the game. She, she was actually excited about it. Not my six-year-old, but my 18-month-old uh, my baby, right? So when we, this game, this game, there will be so many people at it with their faces just fully covered, just painted, right? They'll be red, and they'll be blue, 
and there'll be other shades of red. And so I walk in to my daughter, who's, um, who was in her crib, and she was awake, man, and she had her face painted, and she was ready to go to the game, but she was pulling for this team with, um, it was kind of like a dark um, brownish green color, and I was like, baby, that's the wrong team. So, man, but she had... Oh, it was just, it was just everywhere. I mean, it, she had painted her whole face with poo, and I mean, it was really done well. It was symmetrical. It, got, it was the nose. It was on the passy. It was on her eyelids. I mean, she had to like, close, you know, it was on her backs of her hands, the palms of her hands. It was up her nose. I mean, it was everywhere. I know, right? <laughs> Listen, so I rush, I rush into battle when, when there's a vomit. That's how God put me and Jennifer together. I rush and take care of vomit. Man, when it's poo and there's a mess, I panic. And so I'm just standing there hollering for her to hurry up and get in there. And I'm just like, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. It's, <laughs> it's so terrible. It's everywhere. Oh, I don't know what to do. And, She's just looking at me like, are you going to help? And I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. And so, you know, bath, change clothes, use a whole thing of wipes to scrape it all off, brush out her fingernails, all this, change the sheets, wipe down the crib, sniff the animals to see if they need to be washed. And and 15 minutes later, it's all over, right? And we were standing there thinking, I kind of wish I'd taken a picture of that. In the moment, though, man, I was panicked, and it was awful, but then it passed. It was a momentary thing. It was very temporary. Like, did, did that, like the poo face thing, you heard a pie face, right? But no, this was poo face. Did that, did that make me not want to have a daughter? Did, did, that, did that make it not worth it? Um, being a parent's hard. It's really hard. Things like that happen. Sometimes you're up all night because you're worried that, that they're going to be you know, they're going to not, they're going to stop breathing or something. Sometimes, you know, they have injuries or accidents or they take the life out of you anyway. You can't, you don't get to sleep and your, your schedule works around them. And then you have to, you have to send them places and worry because you're not there with them. It's just, it's hard to have kids, hard to have two. And then sometimes, sometimes people get doubles at once and I mean, just <laughs> bless, right? And so it's hard but nothing, none of the hard pieces compare to the eternal pieces, the lifetime of joy, the seeing your daughters become um, more amazing even than your wife, which doesn't seem possible. Seeing them marry men that you've prayed for that are a hundred times better than you are. Seeing them love Jesus more passionately than you ever have and give their lives away to other people, and serving, and and living out this thing. Man, that is so worth the hard part of it. And that, and still, that is still, that lifetime of memories and joy with my kids, still, even that's temporary. Even they are a a worldly treasure. The best kind, but they are still a temporary. And then they are working towards eternal things, just like I am. You see that? That was a momentary, the poo face is a momentary affliction. Can I, all right, four verses, I'm going to read them and we're going to be done, okay? And you need, you need to go and read 
All of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 5 this week. Okay, a couple times. Feed yourself versus not a booster shot on Sundays. You need to be feeding yourself following Jesus and, and getting in with him throughout the week. Feedyourself.net, by the way, is one way. It was a tool that we help you. There's great resources on there, videos, studies that you can watch. Go feed yourself throughout the week. Feedyourself.net. Um, I'm going to read you a couple verses from this, though. and We'll, we'll kind of reflect on it, but we're done. So 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 says this, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, we're not forsaken. We're struck down, we're not destroyed. Jump down to verse 16. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction, whatever it's costing you right now to follow Jesus, this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's all worth it. It's all worth it not to fight that person, but to see through it, see the spiritual battle. It's all worth fighting for their souls. It's all worth risking it all to go minister and to love and serve on people at all costs to you because it's all going to wash away anyway. But the eternal is not. We don't lose heart. This affliction is light and momentary. Listen, I want to pray for you. We're going to turn some music on. We're going to get out of here. You can go back into the battle. As you do, please reflect and pray this week that God would help you disengage from the wrong enemy, engage with the correct one. That he'll help you see people deeply and with compassion. That he'll help you serve those people without regard to yourself. That he'll help you risk it all for the sake of the good news of Jesus. That he'll help you see life eternal from an eternal perspective. Like you got heavenly lenses on that you're just not seeing the temporary things. And he'll help you not lose heart and live without fear. Um, as we're walking out, throw those other scriptures up. You copy these down, you go study these later and get the notes. They're on there. We're not looking at them. This is examples of men and women in scripture that said, whatever happens, God's in control, he's good, it's worth it. I die, I die. He's worth it. Go read those. Study those through those on your own this week, all right? Let me pray for you and we'll get out. Cool. Father, we thank you that you have painted this very clear picture for us in Scripture that helps us to see the battle. It helps us to see who we're really fighting and helps us to see who we're not. Help us to see people, we pray. We pray that you'd help us to be effective ambassadors We pray that you'd help us to remember that we've been reconciled to you, by you, and that we're here so others can see that, hey, they can be reconciled to you too. We're here for people. And God, we pray that you would help us 
to overcome all that we don't want to lose, all that we're afraid to risk. Help us to live and walk without fear, knowing that everything, anything we can lose now is just temporary anyway, and it's worth it. God, give us kingdom mindsets. Give us eternal mindsets. We love you, and we pray that you would send, send these people out strong today, emboldened with courage to go and live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.